And I said, you know what, guys? We're going to take a stand. We're going to change the culture. We're going to try and learn how to throw hard. And we did everything we could to embody that culture to throw hard. And next thing you know, we had six draft picks. I got to know a bunch of scouts. I think there's two types of scouts, first off. And neither scout's wrong. You know, there's one scout that's looking for what a player can't do. And then there's a scout who looks for what a player can do. But for me, it's trying to, you know, walk that fine line of what can this guy absolutely do? What can he not do? And what can he maybe do in a few years? Where it's going to take a perfect blend of artistry and science, you know, the, the human and the computer to help us identify the player. Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we're here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. On this episode, we sat down with Evan Wise, scout for the New York Mets. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Evan Wise. Welcome back to the Farm System. We're here with Evan Wise, scout for the New York Mets. Evan, we appreciate you taking some time out of your day to sit down and chat with us here at the Farm System. Joey Bo, couldn't be happier to be here. Uh, can't wait to enjoy my time here on the farm. Absolutely. Well, you know, uh, Evan, a big reason we want to have you on is, again, when it comes to um, scouting and it comes to that side of the game, we're, we're uh, again, being a holistic podcast. We want to see every view of the game. We want to see different organizations, things they're looking for, um, just some insights from uh, every different angle. And, you know, obviously you have a lot of coaching experience as well. So bringing all that together, we thought that you'd be a great voice and a great insight for us. Absolutely. Sounds great. I can't wait to be talking about it. Absolutely. Well, as we kind of get things rolling here, Evan, uh, can you give our listeners some background to yourself by taking them through your journey to get to this point in your baseball career? Uh, absolutely. I'll just start this thing off. I'm, you know, when you look at me, you're not you say, uh, you're going to go, man, this guy wasn't a great athlete. Guys, I'm like five nine. Uh, it's not twisted steel and sex appeal. It's it's uh, it's about thirty <laughs> athletes. I can do a little bit of everything. Jack of all trades but a master of none. I wasn't a great baseball player. So when I was younger, uh, my father started putting everything he could in front of me, uh, training videos, training books. I went to all the camps. I went to Clemson, Wake Forest, North Carolina. I went to King Griffey Junior Baseball Camp. I went to all the local camps. I learned from as many minor league, former minor league players as you can. Uh, I learned at an early age that I was going to be a coach. You know, man, this guy's not going to be a great athlete. He's not going to be a D1 baseball player. But I wanted to be around the game as long as I could. So my journey for me is, you know, really trying to tap into that nerdy and passion that I have for this game and do everything I can to pass on all the information that I've learned. Uh, the journey for me, I was supposed to be a middle school baseball coach, but I had a great mentor in John Hendricks. He's our national pitching cross-checker. He, uh, he was my pitching coach at Lenore Ryan University. Um, one day we were at a, uh, at a practice, and he was asking me, what do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be a middle school coach. I want to do this. I want to do that. And he was like, you know what? You need to like volunteer with the baseball team when you can uh, if you graduate early. And I was like, you know, that's a great idea. 
Well, summer came around and I was coaching a little high school team and our coaches were out there and they were scouting our talent. And I uh, went out, made a mound visit, changed pitchers, put on a pickoff play. We picked a guy off, got out of an inning without having to throw a pitch. After the game, my coaches were like, listen, man, you're not a middle school coach. That stuff doesn't go on in middle school. That's advanced baseball. You need to be a college baseball coach. So next thing you know, I was volunteering in the Coastal Plain League, and I was a JV coach uh, as a graduate assistant at Lenore Ryan, doing uh, bullpen duties and making sure the pitchers were getting warmed up and watching bullpens and helping out here and there as I was uh, working on graduating. And my playing career had come to an end. Later, I, uh, I took a job from my original college baseball coach, Frank Pate, who coached me at Lenore Ryan for two seasons, uh, who I'd known for years. I'd been going to his baseball camps since I was 10 years old. He started a program at Catawba Valley Community College, and that's where I became a, uh, a pitching coach for the first time and got to coach pitchers. I parlayed that job into a trip into the Valley League, coaching more pitchers. I loved it. Guys, I would eat up with it. I was reading books. You couldn't get me enough Ron Wolforth or Derek Johnson or Paul Nyman or Mike Marshall. I had to read it all. I had to be around all of it. Um, worked, uh, worked all those summer jobs into a good little job in South Carolina, coaching uh, right next to so USC Gamecocks. I was at uh, USC Sumter. We were coaching junior college kids with, at a school with no scholarship money, no locker room, no field. Won 50 games, won 45 games. Had a great time. Uh, worked myself into a D2 job at Lenore Ryan. And that's what kind of coaching took off for me. I was at my alma mater where I graduated. Um, we had never had any draft picks off the mound, really. We'd never really had anybody throw incredibly hard. Um, our all-time strikeout leader was one of my high school teammates, and, you know, he was like 85 to 88. And I said, you know what, guys? We're going to take a stand. We're going to change the culture. We're going to try and learn how to throw hard. And we did everything we could to embody that culture to throw hard. And next thing you know, we had six draft picks. I got to know a bunch of scouts. My former pitching coach, John Hendricks, reached out to me. He knew I was in need of a challenge, knew that I wanted to get into a different uh, line of work, knew that scouting was part of my dream, and wound up scouting Southern California. It's a pretty sweet gig. I've been at it for a year now. I got two picks in the draft, and um, doing, having a, enjoying my time down here. The journey's the reward. The destination is the disease. It's, uh, it's brought me to a cool place like 108, meeting guys like Joey and getting here on the farm. So that's my journey, short and sweet. Made a bunch of different choices along the path, but I, I love where I'm at. It's good to have been happy to be here. Yeah, man, that's great to hear. And, you know, I, I think, you know, when, when you go into that and, you know, one thing that I've, I've always said, and, you know, we had Dirk on a couple of weeks ago and we're talking about, you know, what makes, you know, scouting players so difficult. And I'm interested to hear that from your perspective, um, you know, seeing so many talented athletes out here in Southern California. Um, what, well, you know, what's, what's your take on that? What, what makes scouting players so difficult? I think there's two types of scouts, first off, um, and neither scout's wrong. You know, there's one scout that's looking for what a player can't do, and then there's a scout who looks for what a player can do. So what makes, a player, what makes it so difficult out here is the players are so skilled, they know how to play the game so well that you're constantly wondering, am my eyes being fooled by skill or tools? So I hear it's, a, it's an unusual blend of absolutely skilled athletes they're on the cusp of developing power tools or speed tool or that arm strength tool because they're just so skilled in accuracy and barrel contact and fundamental defense that we're watching almost an incomplete player, but so complete on the skill end. 
Um, in other places, what makes it so difficult about scouting is they're incredible athletes. They're big, huge physical freaks, and we got to figure out if we're going to be able to get them to a high enough skill level that they can produce uh, at the level that they need to in, in the big leagues. Um, but there's two types of scouts. There's the scout that's looking for what he can do, and there's a the scout that's looking for what he can't do. And, you know, neither, neither scout's going to be wrong, but for me, it's trying to, you know, walk that fine line of what can this guy absolutely do, what can he not do, and what can he maybe do in a few years? And that's what kind of makes it so difficult for me. Yeah, it's such a great perspective. Uh, this next question, I kind of want you to build off that a little bit here. Um, first of all, what areas are you responsible in covering? And then secondly, yeah. uh, what does a typical day of scouting look like for you? So I have Southern California. Some teams break Southern California up into two scouts. Some break it up into three scouts. Some break it up and just do one scout, um, just depending on what the team is and how they collect their information. Uh, for us, I have Southern California, San Diego, uh, the, the desert, Orange County. Uh, I don't have as much of the beach. I don't have Long Beach and all that stuff uh, east of the uh, or west of the, the five. But I have uh, all the way up in the Barstow and a sliver of L.A. County, a little bit of that high desert. but. You know, basically, we like to talk about it by schools. I got Fullerton, I got Irvine, uh, I got San Diego, San Diego State, UCSD, UC Riverside, Cal Baptist, et cetera. Um, I don't have those those premium uh, Pac-12 schools up there in, in the big city. Um, it's a typical day for me. Uh, right now, we're in our fall portion. So right now, we're writing a lot of follows, uh, putting turning in a lot of video, trying to get everybody ready for the for the next draft that's coming up so everybody knows what high school and college players or we should be looking at going into the draft. Um, trying to get my first and last looks on some guys, some of those sophomores that had good years in the Cape and kind of developing some good players, trying to go get and see those high school and college guys, uh, trying to get as many at-bats on some of those high school kids as I can. Typically in the mornings, I'll get up early, uh, try and get a good breakfast in, go follows, plan the week out, maybe plan the day out. Generally with a California traffic, I need to be on the road, you know, no later than 11, 30, 12 to beat some of those rushes because if I have to go down to San Diego for a day game, it's going to be a little slammed at 3 o'clock getting around those places. But, you know, for me, it's a little different. You know, my area is more populated, less surface area. For mm-hmm. a scout that's in, you know, our, our uh, I love them, our Carolina scouts, you know, that's, that's where I grew up. So Daniel Coles, you know, he's kind of got the the toughest area there is. He's got 30 division ones within two states. He's got half of Virginia. You know, the states are six hours wide and he's on the, he's on the road 121 nights out of the year. He's in those hotels. You know, I'm not in the hotels as much. I'm a road warrior. I'm driving here and there and getting back to the house and scooting over here and scooting over there. And I'll see two or three games in a day. I might see a three o'clock high school game. And then, you know, 45 minutes away, there's probably a college game jumping off at seven and I'll get to go see that. So it's it's completely different scout to scout area to area. We're, we're very fortunate out here. Yeah, it's a, that's real interesting to know as, as well. And, you know, taking uh, taking some of that landscape is, is like, you know, me and you have talked previously about out there in the Midwest and, you know, the areas that they cover as well. You mentioned this earlier about talking through, you know, really looking into projection and, you know, trying to take in uh, what a player would be capable of doing at a later time. And so, you know, when you look at young players, um, what when it comes to projectability, what are things that you're looking for? What are things that you, you and your perception play at the next level? So that's a beautiful question. That's, that's what scouting is. You know, we're fortune tellers. We're trying to, we're trying to figure out what the future is going to look like for the game. 
Um, so right now, I guess we got to look at the game first. What does it look like? We're hitting homers. we got big, strong athletes. We don't have itty-bitty, teeny-tiny little defenders running around. You better be able to do some special stuff. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to identify the body, figure out can we project from that body. If they lift weights, can it get stronger? If they lift weights, is it going to get too tight? Do they need to stretch and loosen up? Do they need to lose some weight? So kind of work off of that first. Uh, figure out what that, what that body is going to project into being. Is it, is it that type of body that we're used to seeing on television? Or is it going to have to go through some changes? I mean, and everybody in my line of work is going to change. You know, the 18-year-old kid, he's generally going to put on weight, get stronger. You know what? Sometimes those college guys that got a little baby weight on their freshman, sophomore year, you know, they might have that ran off and they might be twisted, stealing, sex appeal in a few years. After identifying the body, man, I think it's pretty simple. All the scouts, we're all looking at movement patterns. We're all looking at swings. We're all looking at arm actions. How does his feet work on defense? And everybody has their feel for what beauty is, you know, what that, what those good feet look like, what that good bat path looks like, um, what that good arm action looks like, and trying to project as he get, as he adds strength, as he adds experience, is that guy going to turn into a big leaguer? For me, I have my checkpoints, you know, I got my, uh, I got the things that I'll look at on video. I am a nerd. I'm a mechanic. I want to break down the video because once I get the video broken down, then I can start asking the better questions. What's this hitter trying to do? What's this pitcher trying to do? How's he trying to use his pitches? How's he trying to utilize his power? Another thing I'll, 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 I want to touch on as far as projection, I like to check on the maturity of the athlete. So we're all out there. We can see how athletic he is, maybe the body, all that stuff. I want to project if this guy is going to be able to handle that bus life. Because that minor league bus life, that's a tough life. Um, is that, does this look like the type of person, you know, he, he's going to be able to get on that bus every single day and stay positive? Does he have that chest out, up, up, uh, positive mentality when he's on the field? Do we get a charismatic type actions out of him? What, what type of person are we looking at? Is that person going to be able to develop? Um, I think that as, as far as physical development, we also have to look at the, the other side of it. And seeing those, those, uh, college players that are mature, you know, vocal leaders, that kind of makes it a little bit easier to project, hey, this guy's going to continue to work hard. But looking for those high school guys who, you know, they're carrying a cooler to the field. And a bat bag with seven bats hanging out of it. And he's got his mom carrying his backpack. And it's like, wow, man, that guy's pretty high maintenance. I wonder how that guy's going to be when we send him to Kingsport. I wonder how he's going to be when he's on the other side of the country. So trying to pick out those few things are big keys with me. But I'm a mechanic, man. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to stare at the video. I'm going to watch the video. I'm going to look for the things that I like um, and, and things that I think that won't, won't be taken away from them as they, uh, as they work themselves through minor league baseball. Yeah, such a great point you touched on. I think that's what makes scouting so hard is people from the outside thinks you're just, you know, recognizing talent, you know, marking some things down, but you're taking in the whole dynamic of kind of that minor league system with traveling and, you know, kind of the things that maybe aren't baseball related. So I, I appreciate you opening that up for us. I also wanted to dive into this now. I'm assuming your career stops along the way have kind of helped you with those projection uh, predictions. You know, you have the, the perspective of being a coach at a variety of different yeah. levels. Can you kind of share that transition going from couch, uh, coaching to scouting and how that background has helped you? Absolutely. So I think it's, it really helps with the, the culture that we have in our scouting department. And I think it starts there first and foremost. We have a tremendous culture of former coaches in our scouting department, top to bottom. You know, our, our bosses of the bosses, they've coached at the top levels. Um, they've coached at junior colleges, they've coached at D1s, they've coached in college world series, they've coached professionally. Um, and being around those guys and watching them scout, you learn to realize, man, 
what I'm doing every single day is I sit here, I grade the tools out, and then I got to figure out is this guy coachable? Because what our scouts do a tremendous job of is how would our scouts coach him in double A? Or excuse me, how would our coaches coach him in double A? How mm -hmm. would our coaches coach him in A ball? What are our coaches doing in the GCL right that's going to make this guy inst instantaneously better? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and under, being able to look at a player and evaluate him through a coach's eyes, I think is tremendous. But for me, being able to kind of know what type of material we're getting, what type of piece of clay we're getting and know what we're throwing into our system and being able to give those, uh, give those coaches an idea, hey, when I write route report, I'm going to write in there, you know, this guy does a really good job of you know, locating the baseball up in the zone, but he's got a slider. You know, he might need to work on a curveball. So to pair off of that, and I hope that you know our our, our player development sees that, and you know, they go, wait a minute, you know what? We, we're already a step ahead of the game. Our scout saw this. Our trackman information has a little bit on this. You know what? We're already right on the right path of coaching this guy and getting him better. And I think that that's a big 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 key point is, you know, in college baseball, the recruiting coordinator is generally one of the coaches. He's a hidden coach or he's a pitching coach. So a lot of the times when he's signing those guys, he knows he's already got the plan in place of what he wants to add to their repertoire of their arsenal, um, what he wants to you know, retool their swing or move them defensively. He's already got an idea for that. Well, because the major league season and the college season kind of go in between each other, we can send our A-ball scouts out to go watch players to figure out what they want to go get. That's our job. I've been seeing, you know, we see these guys for years. We get several at-bats on them. We move all around. Then we send those to our, our coaches, and hopefully we've given them enough information to make those players better. I think that for us, all the scouts that we have that are coaches, they're just tremendous mechanics. You're pitching mechanics or hitting mechanics. And I think that's kind of what, what I bring to the table is I'm a, I'm a little bit of a pitching mechanic. That's what my background is, understanding pitchers. Learning the hitters. I'm doing the best I can. That's why I spend so much time around Joey over there at 108 trying to pick up as much hitting stuff as I can so that I'm ahead of the game. So, uh, just for the record, I steal just as much stuff as from him as he steals from me. So don't let him fool you. But um, when we go into, you know, one thing I really wanted uh, you to dive into as well is, you know, the game has really changed in the last uh, five years. And, you know, I wanted to, when it comes to sc the scouting game, and I wanted you to kind of pick your progress, like what's, what's your perception on how the game has changed in the last five years when it comes to scouting? Show me the data, right? What's the data? What's it say? <laughs> What um, what are the stats? What are you using? So I got to hear, and you see these tweets all the time. I think it's pretty cool. You'll hear the, the scouts say, man, these computers are going to take our jobs. And you'll hear these other scouts say, yeah, but, you know, we can't, uh, they can't get rid of us because we got to go figure out what the makeup is on these kids. You know, if they're going to be good men, if they're going to be adults, or if they're going to go steal from their teammates. The, the changes in scouting right now, man, it's all about the video. It's all about the it's all about the track man it's all about the measurables it's all about collecting as much information as you have and putting it in the hands of the smartest people you can get so every team is has got computer got track man and got you know models that they're filling that they're filling in stats into like if this guy has a strikeout rate of 30 percent will he make the big you know what i mean like everybody's got their their smart guys and they got their models and they got their track man and they're using all those things I would say we're heading in a direction right now where it's going to take a perfect blend of artistry and science, you know, the, the human and the computer to help us identify the player. But right now we're just trying, we're on the cusp of just figuring out what we're looking for. You know, we've only had all this information for a couple of years, so we don't know how well it's going to play. We just know like immediately that if 
you know, most uh, if a, uh, that what averages in the big leagues, what what above averages in the big leagues. We don't know what is going to translate uh, off of those measurables from high school kids with 3,000 RPM breaking balls that aren't really catching and breaking. If we put that guy in our player development system, because that ball spins so hard, will he be able to catch that, capture that energy and get that 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 breaking pitch to to come down and and grab and stuff. You know, it's one of those things where you've got to figure that stuff out. For me, over the last five years, I think scouting's done some tremendous things. You've seen it. Some teams add scouts, like, man, we've got too many people. We've got D2 players in the big leagues. You know, they come from everywhere. We need to get more scouts, more boots on the ground. We need to go out and find more players. Then you've got other organizations that are taking scouts away. Let's, let's eliminate scouts. Let's eliminate well, one, one organization has completely eliminated their professional scouting department. They use cameras, they use the track man, they're staying on top of the stuff. That same organization in the amateur ranks is scouting players using video cameras. They've, no, they've limited their scouts. They've got it down to a smaller number. They've given them bigger areas. They're just telling them to go see the better players and get video on them and get all that information in as quick as possible so the people above you can go watch them. And then now your job is to go run down as many of uh, these players that are putting up good stats as you can. I think what we're going to find is we're going to find that scouting in the next five years is going to get more organized because we do have all this data. We are going to figure out what data is necessary. Um, we are going to figure out how to draft off the data. We're going to figure out how to develop off the data. Um, but one of the big pieces of the data for me is going to be the, the video. I think that we're going to need to have more camera guys out there, more slow-mo camera guys out there so that we can, you know, hold the track man accountable. You know, I think that that's going to be necessary. We've got track man. We need track record. To, to hold, to be held in a higher standard, and we need uh, we need to make sure that we're using the right measurables, and we're not just getting really exciting about the the, the plain Jane one. Yeah, it's been great. That's great, man. But there's probably other things that we need to be looking at, and other things that are going to help make that player. Other things that are going to be useful to getting out to making him a professional. Yeah, man, I love that. It's, it's such a good perspective, and as uh, Joey sometimes says, you kind of walked into my spider web there. Um, obviously. Yeah. Uh, obviously the the scouting process it's it's dynamic it's challenging as we've touched on how much of professional scouting is kind of recognizing tools and upside versus recognizing you know this guy's got a high level of awareness and i think he's going to be a good ball player so it's all about blend for me if it's a if it's a high school guy i really got to tap into that projectable because you know the guy's 18 years old we want to dream big we want to have big dreams on those guys if we're going to pay those guys millions of dollars We've got to dream big. With those college guys, it's a little bit more concrete. You know, it's a little bit more, we got to go find that guy that can play. College guys, you know, they, they, they better have the tools and the ability ready to go. We'll go send them in the minor leagues, get that experience that you're talking about and that awareness that they need at the big league level to keep their body going every single day, know when to run down the line, know, know when it's time to give them that good hard 90, when it's time to, you know, give that good hard 80, you know, like that good hard 80% and learning those key pieces. I think that the good teams have realized what they're looking for in in the amateur draft. And, you know, we're not a, we're not away from that. You know, I feel like the New York Mets and the, over their history have done a fantastic job in the amateur draft getting players on, on projectability. We get some high school guys, and we, make, we do a really good job of getting them to where they need to be. You know, David Wright's a, a big piece of that. And he was one of those guys we drafted, took him early, paid a lot of money for him, developed him, got him where he needed to be. He's a big leader now. It's fantastic. It's awesome. You'll know, we'll see that with a lot of our guys from the Dominican that we bring up through our, through our Dominican ranks. 
but we've got to do a really good job of identifying what they need to work on while they're in the minor leagues. Uh, when we put their player plan together, it needs to be put in there. This guy has tremendous upside, but they're swing and miss. We need to work on the approach. The swing mechanics are there. What is, is he not recognizing the pitch? Is he, have, is he moving too soon? You know, and making sure that, that we're identifying uh, what the link is, what the missing link is in that gap, you know, between exceptional performer and, uh, you know, athlete with upside. I, I like that blend. Here in California, though, like I said earlier, you're not going to, you're not, you're not finding that premium raw athlete. We've had them. They're here right now. There's a couple, but you're looking at those guys that are more skill-based, more awareness-based. They play games all the time. They play hundreds of games a year. Is that guy, can we project that guy to get stronger? Can we project that guy to, to gain any type of power and then kind of move from there? So I think a lot of it is is trying to hit the nail on the head and win big, go out there and what we call a big game hunt, you know, go out there and try and get the, uh, the guy that's a million-dollar guy and make sure we're getting the right one because we have we've done a good job making sure that they're they can do that bus life stuff. They're they're a grown man, they're gonna be able to develop the human because the athleticism is already a part of it. Yeah. And you know, uh that definitely makes us you know interested when you're going and scouting these players and um you know you're 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 looking at this and you have all this uh data that is available as well. When you know are you going to these schools, are you guys asking uh to see like their track man numbers? Are you guys asking or like how are you guys utilizing this data uh to help you guys uh, scout players and get a more holistic view of them? So we don't get at our level, I don't get all of the information. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I I am told as a scout, it's more important that I'm boots on the ground, I'm getting how does how does it fit? What does it look like? Is he exciting? Is it an exciting player? Is it a you know grade out all the tools? And then if the grades match the track man, it's like, uh oh, we got track record and track man. This could be really this could be a really good player. And then you delve into it a little bit further. Um as far as what we're looking into, uh I know we have a but I, I I call him you know he's our he's our he's our analyst track man guy you know he's our he's our baseball guy cat he's, he does all the metrics we have his name's Christopher Pang he can look at all the numbers look he, he puts together all the different algorithms and puts different pieces together and he looks at all that stuff and he kind of will tell you hey man have you been to see this player you know his track man's pretty cool oh yeah let's get in there let's go see him you know he'll kind of guide you to the talent sometimes if you're overlooking someone and he'll call him hey man why does so and so have you know X amount of strikeouts, and you're like, oh, I, I don't know, I haven't seen him. You go see him, and you go, oh yeah, that guy throw, that guy's a submariner. He throws 79. You know, it's, he locates down in the zone. And he's a really good college pitcher, and you're able to have that communication. That way, we're all we're all looking looking for all the players, and we know what's going on. Uh, I think I think the track man at times can be used as a uh, like an eye in the sky. You know, I would like to see what would happen if in scouting we were given things like blast motion as tools. We were given things like Rapsodo as tools because in the in the normal scouting field, it's it's common to go throw a BP to a guy. It's common to go play catch with a guy, to go to go get a bullpen, to you know just watch a guy throw a pin. If we're gonna watch a pin and hold up a radar gun, or we're gonna watch BP and hold up a camera, why couldn't I set a Rapsodo out in front of BP or put the blast motion on the uh, on the bat knob or set it up behind the catcher and take those metrics? I think that. If we were able to put those tools in scout hands, and granted, I know it's going to be very expensive, but now you're giving that guy, you know, a bazooka on the road to go out and scout with. He gets to go out and watch the game, watch the guy perform, 
And then, you know, go by midweek if he has time. Say, hey, coach, I'd love to watch his bullpen. Throw the track, man. I'll throw the rap Soto up. And next thing you know, we're going, daggum, this guy's pretty pretty good pitcher. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe because he's out here in the boonies, nobody sees him. Maybe because he doesn't have a whole lot of money, he doesn't get to go to the big showcases and get thrown on the track, man, and the, and the rap Soto at the good events. If we had those with us, maybe we're, be, maybe we're able to find more diamonds in the rough, so to speak. I probably just took, sent us down a rabbit hole and threw us in a crazy spider web. So let's, uh, let's mm-hmm. probably try and back off that one a little bit if we can. <laughs> no, yeah, you, you touched on some good points there that, you know, definitely valuable and could be useful. I have another two-parter I wanted to throw at you again here. We have a diverse pool of listeners that turn into the show with mm-hmm. your uh, with your career stops along the way. What advice do you have for those young guys listening in? And then um, what about the the coaches that want to get into scouting? What advice do you have for them? First off, the coaches that want to get into scouting, it's it's not it's not what you think it is. It's a completely different job. Uh, it's it's all about organizing. It's all about collecting information. It's all about reporting information. But the best part about scouting for those guys who are coaches who want to get into it is what got me going. Is you got a chance of hunting out that player that might not get seen and giving him a, and, and a, there's a chance to affect his life and for the good. So so when you're when you're looking at do I want to get into scouting? And you see those guys sitting in the stands, they're holding their air gun, they're taking their notes. You know, that's every single day, 365 days a year. You're watching games, you're out there, you're, you're getting it done, you're on the road, you're evaluating, but you don't necessarily get to connect with those players. So make sure that if scouting is what you want to do, that you're, you're getting in there and, and, and you're evaluating those players and that's what you want to do and change the paths of their lives. But if you want to build relationships and coach players, then, then do that. As far as advice for young coaches, man, I got a ton. The first advice for young coaches is you can't be scared. You can't be scared to make mistakes. You can't be scared to give the kid the wrong advice. You've you've got to understand that as a young coach, a lot of it is making mistakes and learning from your mistakes. Because how you coach the kid early in your career is not how you're going to coach a kid late in his career because you're not going to be the same. The data is not going to be the same. The information is not going to be the same. There's going to be something that's going to change how you're going to do things. So don't be scared. Don't be scared to make changes to your plan. Don't be scared to make changes to your athlete. Other things for coaches, you've got to develop relationships with your players. And not all relationships are going to be the same, but each relationship is important. Um, you're going to have your favorite players on the team, and you're going to have guys that you don't talk to hardly. But every single one of them is important, and every single one of them is going through something. It is important to check on your players. It is important to talk to them about things that aren't baseball because when this thing's all said and done, uh, most of them aren't going to play baseball the rest of their lives. Most of them aren't going to be coaches for the rest of their lives. But most of them are going to be husbands. Most of them are going to be fathers. And it, as soon as you get to coaching that, you're going to be in a great place. I used to tell one of my assistant coaches, I'd say, we got to make this senior a freshman as fast as – excuse me. We've got to make this freshman a senior as fast as we can, and we've got to make this senior a husband and father as fast as we can. Because as soon as we give those guys that experience and playing that baseball game is going to be very, very, very easy for them. Making that adjustment on the mound is going to be very, very, very easy for them because they're not going to be worried about all that other mess. Coaches, you know, don't stop growth. Um, I heard Andy McKay, I believe, said something recently about as coaches, we're – or as doctors, they're always practicing medicine. That's the way we should be as coaches. We should always be practicing coaching. Um, you know, like I said, as a kid, you know, I read, I read Ted Williams' Science of Hitting when I was 14 years old. 
I was talking to my JV coach in high school about swinging up on the baseball in 2000. 2000, that was 18 years ago. Wow. Don't be afraid to, to do those things. Don't be afraid to go against the norm. In 2010, I bought $100 worth of weighted baseballs, and I was having coaches negative recruit me. This guy's throwing weighted balls. Can you believe you're going to go there? Call them my commitments. Are you going to go there? They throw weighted balls. We weren't, we weren't afraid of them. We were going to throw them. We were going to do whatever it took. Um, my father told me we're never going to lose anything in our lives because of equipment. We're never going to lose because we didn't have the best batter. We're never going to lose because we didn't have the best glove. That means we might have to work a little harder for it, but we're not going to lose because of it. So I felt like, you know, when I was a coach, I bought everything for my players. I'm probably broke now because of it. We didn't have a radar gun. I bought a radar gun. We didn't have weighted balls. I bought weighted balls. We didn't have bands. I bought bands. Don't be afraid to do those things because you might just get what you want in the end. You might be where you're supposed to be. I've heard this statement several times. What key, what we're human beings, what makes us different from everybody else is that we have an imagination. Um, use your imagination, believe in yourself, believe in your players, and chances are you're going to be where you want to be at the end of this coaching thing. I wanted to be a scout, and it was my dream to be a scout, and I did everything I could geared to help my players out. And the next thing you know, there were some scouting opportunities available. I got to interview, and I got my job. Um, and I thank them for that. They, were, they believed in me. They trusted in me. Um, it took it was a long road, but you know those relationships are what helped me get here. You, you're you're only as good as your players. Yeah, and and you know, was one thing I've had a conversation with you about this multiple times, and you mentioned it really at the beginning of the podcast. But um, I know when you're talking about um, a lot of these things of kind of like being where your feet are, and um, the journey is the disease. I want you to really break that down oh, for okay. people because I think I think that's an awesome. It's an awesome thing. It's a, a speech you skip so your players and everything. Life. So go ahead. So, so for me, so for me. Baseball, we had to make some mistakes, you know. So my coaching career was very interesting. It was uh, – I made some mistakes along the way. Um, I had to be very honest with my players. Hey, guys, this is who I am. I've made some mistakes. You're very vulnerable. It helped you know, us develop trust in each other. It was a tremendous relationship. Um, and what ended up happening was right around that time, our head coach started diving in on this Brian Kane stuff. And it was just kind of like, man – all these things are speaking to us right now. The journey's the reward. The destination is the disease. We're sitting around here worried about, are we going to make the conference tournament? Are we going to make the regional? That so we're not, you know, be where our feet are. We're not here in this moment right now. Um, and I think it's very important to live your life that way. Um, and when you live your life that way, your players are going to start to live their lives that way. And they're going to start to develop their game a little bit better. The journey's the reward. The destination is the disease. I told my players when I would win championships in the summer, I'd say, guys, Enjoy your time on the bus. Don't dredge your time on the bus. Have fun out here. Get to the park early. Have fun. Play with each other. Because one day, this season's going to be over with. This team's never going to be together. And all you're going to have is these memories. Let's go make good memories. Let's go make good moments. It should work all the way into life. When you get to be a father, um, you should stop spending money on things that are cool, possessions, cars, clothes. You'll start spending money on moments and memories. Uh, it's a lot more important to go on vacations with your wife and kids than it is to spend money on a big TV. Those are the types of lessons that I think if you'll start coaching your kids quicker, that uh, you'll start getting a little bit more results in the baseball end of it. But if you're talking launch angle, exit velo, movement pattern, velocity, then they're going to get too wrapped up in that stuff, and they're not going to be able to have that nice balance, that yin-yang of what they need to be that, that player and that father and, and everything. I just feel like building those relationships with your players, being able to talk to them, knowing what their 
knowing their parents' names, knowing their middle names, uh, and be able to hold those relationships. They committed to you. They committed four years of their lives to you, or they committed all that time in that facility to you, or they committed that time at that high school program to you. Commit back. It's time to commit back. It's time to sacrifice your time for them. It's time to do those things. And once you start doing those things as a coach and your players will get better, you'll get better, life will get better, you'll stop worrying about, you know, is this the job I want? Is this the job I'm going to have for the next 30 years? You're just going to wake up in the morning, you're going to have a process that you love, and you're going to work through it. Um, for me, I found out uh, – I'll give you the big secret. You know, we got a, one of your buddies, Joey, uh, is Wes McGuire. He says, find out what you're passionate about and then give it away. Well, you know, for me – uh, I figured out it's all about back chaining. I need to start from a goal that I can that I can achieve. I need to work back from that goal. I want to be a scout. I can achieve that goal. I'm going to give myself five years to work that goal. I got to go backwards. So five years from now, I want to be a scout. How do I get there? Well, I probably need to have some guys drafted. I need to talk to some scouts. I need to be out scouting. I need to be out in the stands at the games, taking the notes, locked in, watching the players. Well, now now we're at the process point. Now we've turned it into if I go watch players every single day, take notes, be around the right people, then in five years or less, I should be a scout because that's what it takes. If I want to be a good coach, I need to be around good coaches every single day, right? So what do I want to be? I want to be a D1 coach. I want to be a D1 head coach at a big-time program. Well, I probably need to be an assistant at, that pro at a big-time program first. Well, I probably need to be friends with an assistant at one of those programs first. Well, I probably need to be at the scouting events that they're at. I probably need to be at the coaching events where they're at, trying to get sharper, trying to get smarter. That would, that's probably the best advice I could give those guys is to figure out what you want, what your goal is, and work backwards from it. And it's got to be a goal that you can obtain and find out what the process is. What does the everyday life look like to get to that goal, and can I live that everyday life? Is it too big of a struggle, or is it something that I can do? Because if it's an everyday routine and it's process-based and it's a goal down the road, you should be able to achieve it. And I think that, you know, you're right, you see good velocity coaches. They start with the first day of uh, opening day in, in the spring, in the in the spring, and they work backwards and say, "This is our time where we can work on velocity because we need to attribute so much of our time to you know mound time and, and locating and this and that that you know where things fit in." You'll start to realize if I want to be X Y Z that at some point in time I've got to start reaching smaller goals, but I have to find that process first. I have to find out what I can do every single day first. I mean, for me as a scout, I know I can get up early every single morning and I can start looking at my players in my area and I can start there. I can do something every single morning early as crap before someone else. And that's always going to get me where I need to be one step closer. So that's really what I got, Joey, man. That's my secret. I gave it away. Yeah, man. You kind of killed it right there. It's a, a, a lot of good information to put in perspective. And, uh, you know, you shared a lot for our listeners. Um, if any of them would like to reach out to you about anything that you cover today, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm on Instagram, Twitter. I got an email, wise20 at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to give my phone number out here, but you guys are just booming with followers, so I don't want my, my phone blowing up. Um, reach out reach out to the farm, guys. Um, they'll get you hooked up with me. I'd love to talk. I'm that kind of guy, man. I'd love to you know tell you what to read, point you in good directions, all that stuff. Um, I don't believe there's anything uh, as far as, as good advice is concerned. I love to just, just give it and roll with it, and uh, you pick it out, and you figure out if it's good for you. So. Thank you, guys. I've enjoyed it. I love talking. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, you know I that, know. Joey. You know yeah. that, Joey. Hey, no, I love, I love to talk too. So, I mean, that, that's, I think, I think just like us, you know, you love talking. You got to start a podcast. It's just, this is what it is. So, <laughs> oh, man. So. I love, I love listening to podcasts too. So, that's probably what, when you said this, Joey, that's what got me fired up more than anything. I was like, I can do a podcast. It's like being on TV, you know? <laughs> that's funny well hey wise thanks again for uh, all your time and sitting down with us and giving back to the game absolutely if, if real quick man can i can i toss in something real quick here? i'd like to thank uh john Hendricks. he was my mentor uh he's a guy that kind of helped me get to where i need to be uh, guided me pushed me challenged me tom flinor my head coach at lenore ryan tremendous man uh second chance third chance done a tremendous job of uh helping me become a better man love him all my players that uh, played hurt for me, played hard for me, um, thank you. So that's all I got for you, Joey. Thank you, Farm. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Evan. Man, you know, uh, Evan's such a good guy. I get the, you know, the chance to be around him all the time, but it's great to have him on. This call takeaway is brought to you by Quality at Bats. Don't forget to visit qualityatbats.com to further your mental approach to the game. Yeah, man, Evan's a stud. What was your biggest call takeaway, Joey? Uh, yeah, I think, I think just like he talked about, uh, there at the end and, you know, again, we, we talk about this all the time when he's around is just really taking advantage of, you know, like being where your feet are, um, and enjoying that process part of it. I mean, um, if, you know, I always tell players kind of the same thing in a different way. I always tell them like, you're, there's only going to be, you know, split second moments where you've actually, um, actually achieved the things that you're trying to achieve. Like, you know, so you know, majority of your life is going to be spent in the time trying to achieve something. Um, so if you don't enjoy that part of your life, you can't, you can't, uh, set up in your head that, you know, you'll be happy once you arrive here or that, you know, once this happens, then, you know, everything will be great or et cetera. Like you got to enjoy that journey, um, that process to get to a lot of those places that you, you know, want to be one day. So I think that's a big thing that I take away from, you know, him all the time. He always reminds me when he's there, uh, he always sees me working like a dog. So he always, he always be telling me, you know, then, you know, enjoy the process and enjoying, um, you know, just being where my feet are and, and et cetera. So, um, you know, Definitely grateful for him for that. But how about you, Bo? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the biggest thing I took away from him was his passion to find and bring out the best in players. Um, you know, we've had a, a wide variety of guests on at this point, and it seems like the unifying message is you have to be invested in the guys and invested in that process, like you mentioned there, to really bring out the best and really make them great. So um, I, I enjoyed hearing that message from the scouting perspective. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, as always, guys, this is a great episode to share again, share some different perspectives on what's going on, you know, inside the game from a different view, um, a different organization as we make our, our way, you know, all the way zigzagging back and forth through different levels and different uh, programs and organizations. Uh, never great insight and a de- definitely a great message um, throughout the podcast of, you know, what, what Evan was really pushing. So, you know, uh, this is just a, a great chance for you guys to share what you learned, what you love, um, any comments, again, reach out to us. You guys have been a great job. I love all the, uh, when you guys reach out and uh, tell us what you pulled from it. And uh, you guys have been great with that and sharing it and, and spreading the love, uh, throughout, you know, every single episode, but until next time, farm system out.